Hi, this is John Ozanting, lead pastor of Evolve Church, and this is the Evolve Church podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. We hope that you find today's message encouraging and full of hope for wherever you're at. Pray for us together before I dig in. Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your Holy Spirit radiating life and hope into hearts and lives, bringing courage and faith into families and couples and individuals all across the city of Edmonton, across the nation of Canada, and around the world. Everybody who's tuned into this live broadcast, everybody who's going to be watching sometime later this week, we just thank you that your power and your presence are sufficient. They're more than enough for each one of us in this season. We love you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Quick recap from last week's Sunday as we talk about a lockdown. A lockdown is an emergency protocol that's usually uh, used to prevent people or information from leaving an area, but it's also used to uh, protect people that are in an area from any outside impact. And I think of a lockdown specifically, uh, maybe in light of this global pandemic, how some communities are in lockdown and people are not allowed to leave their homes. They're not allowed to leave homes and protect themselves from anything getting into their home. In this case, this wild COVID-19 thing that we're all walking through. Um, But I want to talk about a lockdown of our hearts. And we went to Proverbs 4 last week, Proverbs 4.23. It said, keep a vigilant watch over your heart because that's where life starts. And so we talked about this idea of vigilance and vigilant, being vigilant in watching and guarding our hearts. A lockdown of our hearts means a lockdown of our thoughts and our will and our discernment and our affections. And we ask this big question, how do we do that? How do we keep vigilant watch? Um, for today, here's a thought. When it comes to our thoughts and our will, and our discernment, and our affections, or, or what the Bible calls our heart, that inner, inner self, that inner person, our heart, all of those um, are given life and substance, first and foremost, through our imagination. If you think about it, our thoughts come to life in imagination. Our will, our discernment, our emotions come to life. They have power and strength and life through our imagination. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about your imagination as a part of your heart. What does the Bible say about your imagination as a follower of Jesus? Now, if you're sitting in a living room right now uh, and you're a family and you've got some kids, uh, this is an exercise. Everybody just close your eyes for me and I want you to not picture a cheeseburger. I do not want you to picture a three-layered toasted sesame seed bun with two organic all-beef patties and freshly shredded lettuce and uh, some nice aged cheddar oozing over the edge of those those beef patties. Maybe you are picturing it. When we even just use words, it pulls those words as pictures into our mind, into our imagination. Imagination is a beautiful thing, given the power to even make me crave a cheeseburger right now, even though it's not even lunchtime yet. Big question, your imagination. Here's today's big question. Is it child's play or is it a spiritual discipline? Your imagination, is it child's play Or is it a spiritual discipline? Now, imagination defined is this, the faculty or action of forming new ideas or images or concepts 
of external objects not yet present to the senses. So in our mind, we produce ideas and images and concepts of external things that are not yet present in our reality. This is the power of the imagination. This isn't new age teaching. This is how God created our brains to work. The Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy says this about imagination. I love this. To imagine is to represent. Everybody say represent. To imagine is to represent without aiming at things as they actually presently and subjectively are. So we're representing, but not in our current situation. One can use imagination to represent possibilities other than the actual, to represent times other than the present, to represent perspectives other than one's own. In the last 200 years, if you study this, there has been a significant decline in the use of the word imagination in literature, in books written. If you, if you trace right back to the 1800s, people used the word imagination way more than we do currently in 2020. And I can't help but wonder why. Imagination is something that is God-breathed and God-created inside each and every life. And as adults, we tend to think about imagination as something that's just for kids. They're imaginative play. Or maybe just for a select few creative types, but not for me. No, I want to talk to you today about the use of your imagination as a spiritual discipline. Some quotes to get us started. Are you ready? Muhammad Ali said this, The person who has no imagination has no wings. The person who has no imagination has no wings. In other words, our life can't take off without imagination. Stephen Covey says this, live out of your imagination, not out of your history. That's so good. I love that. Let's live out of our imagination, not just out of our past. Albert Einstein said this of imagination. He said, imagination is more important than knowledge. To all of you learners out there, listen to this one. Imagination is more important than knowledge, for knowledge is limited, whereas imagination embraces the entire world, stimulating progress and giving birth to evolution, new ideas, new concepts. And lastly, George Bernard Shaw said this, imagination is the beginning of creation. Imagination is the beginning of creation. You imagine what you desire, you will what you imagine, and at last, you create what you will. I'm going to say that again. You imagine what you desire, so it starts with desire. You will what you imagine, and at last, you create what you will. One last quote from one of my favorite musical artists, Harry Connick Jr. He wrote a song called, With Imagination, I'll Get There. And the lyric says, when weary is your world, go and spin another. When weary is your world, there's heaven to discover. Here on earth, we're sister and brother with imagination. I'll get there. So good. Harry Connick Jr., look it up. With imagination, I'll get there. Now here's the best part. All this talk about imagination, the Bible said it first. The Bible said it first, before all these quotes, before all these authors, all these creators, all these inventors, the Bible said it first. Isaiah 26, verse 3, here's what it says. 
God, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you, okay? I'm going to kick it old school, go right to the King James Version this morning. It says, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. That's a lot of Elizabethan business going on there. Whose thoughts are fixed on you, whose mind is stayed on thee. Now what you're thinking right now is, Pastor Jono, um, neither one of those translations of that verse have anything to say about imagination. That's where we get to study together this morning. We're going to do just a little bit of Bible study before I share a few thoughts, okay? A little Bible study. The Hebrew word originally used for thoughts and for heart in, these, in this verse, Isaiah 26 verse 3, thoughts are fixed whose heart is stayed. The original Hebrew word was yetzer. Everybody say yetzer. And here's what it means. It means something made into shape or an inclination, or a striving to form, to frame with purpose. That's a little bit more than just thinking. It's to bring something into shape. It's to form something. It's to fashion something with absolute creative purpose. In other words, something inside of your head that strives, shapes, forms, and frames with creative purpose. According to the Brown Driver Briggs Hebrew lexicon, the word yetzer has more in common with our English word imagination than just with the word mind or thought. Last week, we talked about the impact of a well-guarded heart. If you were with us last week or if you heard that message, the impact of a well-guarded heart uh, fleshes itself out in the words that we speak, the things that we focus on, the plans that we make. And the decisions that we act on. Well, three quarters of those, three out of four of that list takes place first in our imagination. The thoughts, the words that we speak, the things we focus on, the plans that we make can take place right inside our hearts in this beautiful gift called imagination. Did you know that God has designed your imagination to frame your life, to frame your reality? We're going to look at this together. This might be a brand new thought for you. I can feel like somebody who's used to be super imaginative as a young person is coming to life listening to this message already today, that you get to engage your imagination as a part of how God's hardwired you. This is so good. It's unfortunate today that many people have rejected the God-created absolute function of our imagination. But I think we need to set our imagination apart, make it holy for God's purposes. And that's how I want to land today. Think about it. Fear as an emotion, fear as a feeling, has the most power when it hits your heart by producing pictures in your imagination. Fear becomes that much more terrifying when it produces images inside of your heart through your imagination. And uh, I think of a child um, who's maybe afraid at nighttime. Maybe their fear is not warranted or not really rooted in anything real, but those pictures in their imagination sure feel real and cause this visceral response of tears or or just like, um, you know, curling up into the fetal position in their room or calling out to mom or to dad. 
You know, this week we had some imaginative play in our home, and it was lots of fun. I'm going to call it the great COVID-19 Xanting bedroom swap of 2020. Um, A few days ago, uh, in the upstairs of our house, my daughter Julia had a bedroom, and we had a guest room. And in the basement, my sons shared a bedroom. Well, we started talking about moving the boys upstairs and giving them their own bedrooms and moving Julia down into the the big basement bedroom, and we started talking about it. Well, pretty soon, just talking about it produced images and ideas inside of our imagination. The boys could picture having new rooms with new colors and a new bedspread and some of their old stuff, but in a new configuration. And my daughter could picture having a new space in the basement, um, you know, a very different layout, a twice as big of a bedroom for her, and they began to, with their imagination. And one of the things that I found fascinating about this big bedroom swap, which we completed yesterday, is this. Through it, we learned that our son, who has had a bit of fear about being in the downstairs bedroom in the basement, articulated that he felt much better about being upstairs because nobody could get in through a second-story window. It's the first time we heard this. In the basement, he actually had a a fear that somebody could break in through the basement window into their bedroom. And and we've seen it in the last few months about a reluctance to to babysit uh, his younger brother and just this idea of being home alone, producing fear in him. But it was really, really powerful that he had these thoughts and pictures in his mind of somebody coming in through his bedroom basement window that we didn't even know about until we started talking about this bedroom swap. Imagination, the faculty or action of forming new ideas, images, or concepts. I love that. The big question today, is your imagination just child's play, or is it a spiritual discipline? Let's go back to Isaiah 26 together. Verses 1 through 4 in the Passion Translation. The city is a stronghold for us. The Lord's salvation, like inner and outer walls, makes it secure. Open the gates and let a righteous, faith-filled person enter in. Perfect, absolute peace surrounds those whose imaginations are consumed in you, Father. Yes, trust in the Lord Yahweh forever and ever. For Yahweh, the Lord God, is your rock of ages. I'm going to go back to that verse, verse 3. Perfect, absolute peace surrounds those whose imaginations are consumed in him. Man, that's good. I want to share three thoughts from this passage today. Number one, if you're taking notes, it is our clear understanding of salvation that keeps our imaginations secure. It is our clear understanding of salvation that keeps our imagination secure. Isaiah 26, starting in verse 1, the Lord's salvation, like inner and outer walls, makes it secure. What are you using to keep your inner life secure? What are you using right now to keep your inner life safe and secure, to keep your heart, your thoughts, your will, your discernment, your emotion, your imagination, what are you using to keep it secure in this season? Or to who or to what are you turning for a sense of security? 
Are you turning to the Father or are you turning to other things? Are the inner and outer walls of your heart, your imagination, are they built out of a clear understanding of your daily news update first thing in the morning and before you go to bed? Are they built on a clear understanding of a present circumstance, maybe a job loss or a financial crisis that you're in? Uh, are they built on a clear understanding of maybe just you, you feeling alone in this season and by yourself and isolated? Or... Are the inner and outer walls of your imagination built on a clear understanding of the absolute finished and redemptive work of Jesus through his life, death, and resurrection, which saved us and brought us into relationship with the Father? Are you building a sense of walls and safety and security on the fact that you have been set Free. You have been saved. Salvation is yours today and every day. Number two, a godly imagination flows out of a godly desire. A godly imagination in our heart flows out of a godly desire. The Father, through Holy Spirit, wants to consume our imaginations. He wants to consume our hearts, our thoughts, our will, our discernment, our feelings, our emotions, our imagination, that area where he wants to paint pictures of our future and of the hope that we have. Isaiah 26, open the gates and let a righteous, faith-filled person enter in. Perfect, absolute peace surrounds those whose imaginations are consumed with you. They confidently trust in you. It is not through our own efforts or striving that we see our lives restored. It's not through our own work. It's just through Jesus. It's through Jesus that we see our lives restored. In the same vein, it's the same spirit. It's not through our efforts or our striving that we see our imaginations restored today. It is just through Jesus. If you go to Matthew 26 or Mark 14, this critical turning point in Jesus' story where he's in the garden praying before he goes to the cross. And he's in absolute anxiety and he's all by himself and he's facing the weight of the world. And he turns to the Father and he says, yet what, what I want is not important, for I only desire to fulfill your plans for me. And in that moment of Jesus praying, I can't help but begin to really sense that with his eyes closed, calling out to the Father, he was picturing the weight of the cross. He was picturing the agony of crucifixion. He was picturing separated from the Father because of the sin of the world on him. And maybe, just maybe, he began to picture new things. He began to picture you and me and everybody watching today. He began to picture us set free through his sacrifice. And that picture, out of a desire from the Father, is what gave him the courage to face Calvary's cross. Jesus said, what I want's not important. I desire to fulfill your plan for me. How often does our imagination run out ahead of us with our own desires and not what maybe the God the Father has placed in our hearts? Refuse to allow your imagination to run rampant with any ideas or desires that are not God-breathed. Draw a line in the sand today. Refuse to allow it. Maybe we're in a place we never wanted to be 
because our heart, our imagination was too deeply impacted by our own desires rather than God's desires for us. Get this picture, that it begins with our submission to the desires of our hearts. Even as George Bernard Shaw wrote, imagination as the beginning of creation, our imagination comes out of what we desire. What we desire, we imagine. What we imagine, we will. What we will, we create. This is not new age. This is not some out there thinking. This is straight from the heart of the Father today to teach us that our desires need to be consumed with his best for us. What are you desiring today? Father, we want our imaginations and our desires to be completely consumed by you. And my third and final thought today is this. This is a lifelong commitment, not just a flash in the pan. This is not some point that we arrive at. This is a journey and a destination for everybody watching. A lifelong commitment. Isaiah 26, verse 4. Yes, trust in Yahweh forever and ever. Forever and ever. On and on. For he, the Lord God, is our rock of ages. This is a forever thing, not just a today thing. This issue of our imaginations flowing out of our hearts is not a temporary thing with temporary consequences. It's actually an eternal thing with eternal consequences. This issue of surrendering and submitting our desires and our pictures and our imagination to God's best for us impacts eternity, but not just in and of ourselves. And this is where things get great if you let them, church. Listen up. Why is it important to secure our imaginations in Jesus and the salvation that he brings? Why is it important to have our desires and as such our imagination entirely consumed by the Father? Why are these first two thoughts important? Because this trust and this peace that is produced through our lives by the Holy Spirit in our imagination isn't just for us. It's not just for us. It's for us to carry the unanxious presence of God the Father produced in our hearts by our imagination into the world around us. It's for us to bring the sense of God, this, this easy yoke, this unanxious, this at peace, this in trust, this submitted to something greater than just my own life. We get to carry that with us into the world that we live in. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 to 21. I'm going to close with these verses as we've spent this time together in Isaiah 26 today. Here's what it says, Ephesians 1, starting in verse 18. I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light today until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. That is the wealth of God's glorious inheritance that he finds in us, his holy ones. Verse 19, I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. There's that salvation piece. Then your lives will be an advertisement an advertisement of this immense power 
as it works through you. There it is, your life on display as an advertisement of God's power at work through your life on display for others. This is the mighty power that was released when God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, exalted him to that place of honor, and now he's exalted as first above every ruler, authority, government, realm of power, sickness, disease, in existence on planet earth. He is gloriously enthroned over every name that is praised, not only in this age, but in the age to come. Listen up, in our pursuit of bringing every thought captive into the obedience of the lifestyle of Jesus, let that not just be limited to your cerebral ability, but to your imaginative creativity. Let God paint new pictures inside of you. There's this beautiful place in our, in our hearts where the Father wants to help us dream his dreams. This beautiful place in our hearts where he wants us to desire his desires and then begin to see clearly through new painted pictures in our heart that the Father brings. A full lockdown of our hearts today will greatly influence the pictures being painted in your imagination. And this is my prayer for you in this season. As your imagination begins to paint pictures of tomorrow and of the next day and next month and weeks to come, as we feed ourselves with news media and all the fear-mongering and the crazy stuff going on in our world, I guarantee it's producing pictures in your heart, pictures that are rooted in worry, pictures that are rooted in fear, and like Jesus on his knees before he went to Calvary's cross, arrest those pictures, stop them, take them captive, and invite the foundation of your salvation, a sense of how God is at work consuming your life, consuming your heart, consuming your imagination, and then the purpose that God wants to pull out of you in the seasons ahead, allow that to paint new pictures of life and hope and victory and favor and protection and his richness and his glory and his absolutely immeasurable love. Allow it to paint new pictures in your heart today and every day. Would you close your eyes with me as we pray all across this broadcast? Thank you, God, so much for your Holy Spirit inside of our lives. Thank you that you touch our imaginative creativity today. God, with the fullness of who you are, with the fullness of what Jesus paid for and made right between us and you, with the fullness of your life and your dreams and your desires for each person watching today, thank you, Father, that you're going to enable us to dream new dreams, to have new imaginative creativity, to look ahead with the picture language of our hearts, not just our thoughts and our will and our discernment and our emotions, but our imagination. Would you touch that place in us today as we settle into the peace and the trust that only comes from following you? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. If you're ever in the Edmonton area, pop by for a visit. And if you need any more information, visit EvolveChurch.com. We hope to see you soon.